0: Welcome to Samosa Caucus. This is Salas.
1: And this is Rags.
0: Today we're going to talk about the Desi right. There's a lot of South Asians joining the Trump administration, which seems kind of not expected. So let's delve into some of the reasons why.
1: Are there a lot of South Asians in the Trump administration, or do you think there's a lot of South Asians supporting the Trump administration? A
0: little bit of both. I mean, there's definitely the Shalab Kumar, the the mega-donor. So, um... We can talk about the numbers, but I mean, there's also a bunch of people in within the administration as well. So I think both are true.
1: So let's let's uh, kind of uh, maybe expand a little bit on the introduction before we start like diving into things. So real quick, we're talking about South Asians who may lean right or move to a conservative side, and the thought process here, or the reason we want to talk about it, is we feel like. Anecdotally, there seems to be a lot of support for uh, Trump and uh, seemingly either people who have voted for Obama and moved over to uh, voting for Trump uh, or, you know, it just seems like there are more people who support the Republican Party now among South Asians and they're more vocal about it. Uh, again, the most polls don't indicate that, so we want to kind of dive into all that a little bit more. Uh, and I, I guess it would be do do we want to call out what how we would maybe uh classify ourselves or our political views uh you and i Sauce?
0: sure let's do it
1: okay so you want you go first i <laughs> you go first <laughs> fine i'll go first okay so i i've pretty much been a democrat by default for uh for a while and uh i I did vote for Obama twice. Um, I liked Obama. Um, his policies, yeah, some of it I, I didn't really agree with, but uh, I voted from, uh, at that point I was very, very much, uh, towards the Democratic Party. My, you know, I, my allegiances were all towards the left in that sense. Uh, and I don't know if it was just me kind of growing older and kind of thinking more, uh, about, uh, stuff on the conservative side or, uh, personally, having maybe gone, gone through changes, I wanted to just pursue stuff that I disagreed with to try to see if there was any credence in them uh, and be more open to things. So I I started kind of looking more towards the right, and it also kind of coincided with me finding out that some of my friends were actually, uh, even though they they weren't as vocal about it, they were conservative or conservative supporters— and so i I really wanted to try and see how far you know like I could uh put myself in that and how much I agreed with or didn't agree with, and I think I've kind of uh landed at pseudo libertarian democrat ish person this is a long winded answer or a description because especially when you're talking about politics or talking about things that are very specific like this about the right uh south asian right i I guess it it does matter even though we will be talking through facts it's a discussion and i think it it's an, it would be good to know what the perspective is of the person you know or the people discussing it so there's that uh, maybe maybe some of it will uh, i I, I, would, I still need to kind of settle on a lot of things uh, and uh, i'm trying to do my best to learn more but uh, yeah that's uh, i would say at least for this conversation, I would be a little bit more on the right, yeah.
0: Yep, so I'm, like Rags alluded to, I am more on the liberal progressive side. Um, I've volunteered for democratic politicians in the past, just doing things like uh, phone calls, door knocking, largely because I, I didn't under, understand even the even when I heard the conservative argument, it didn't resonate with me. So part of it was also confusion around why the democratic policies were not just winning more, I guess, because it seemed evident to me, I would say, until last year. I think um, last year was confusing for a lot of people, but for me it was scary, but it made a lot of sense. I think the identity argument trump was making around things like just what, what you always hear about he, he's appealing to the white working class not through policies but through trying to identify
1: so in more himself. more like less in policy and more kind of in the way he speaks the way he talks His maybe his bravado a little bit his um his demeanor and his you know his kind of every man uh, i'm a part of you and uh you know, I understand you kind of deal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I could understand how the policies flowed from that kind of macho type of persona. So then I could say, okay, so the progressive arguments, I still think are more practical and pragmatic and functional, but I can see why that doesn't resonate as much as a machoism, even if that's not necessarily helping you in your day-to-day life. Maybe that's how you want to think of yourself. So it kind of clarified a lot to me. And I've spent time, like you have, talking to people from a wide variety of perspectives, from people who are diehard Bernie supporters to people who are diehard Trump supporters. So that kind of also... Just the fact that everyone's talking about politics these days, and I love to... Talk politics and understand why people Think and feel the way that they do
1: I don't know if you feel this way but like a lot of times I kind of go into this mode where I I Almost remove myself and my Emotions kind of from there like Irrespective of whether I think a certain You know viewpoint or a certain policy statement or something, emotionally you might feel like, I really disagree with what you're doing. Like, this is the worst thing you could do. But at the same time, I really want to try and understand what you're saying on the other side. And like, I I want to know what it is that, you know, is there purely taking your argument and factually kind of breaking it down. Does that make sense or, you know, or does that clash with my understanding of things?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes it makes sense to factually break it down and sometimes it even makes sense to address the emotional side to see, okay, what is the person even feeling like? There are always news items that pop into the news that everybody wants to talk about that day. And with Facebook, with Twitter, it's easier than ever to have those conversations in real time.
1: But do you uh, think that that is actually a kind of limiting factor in a sense? Uh, And that may in some cases or some way lead to this kind of overarching narrative that seems to always be, you know, kind of well over the top, which the only real explanation for it is that people haven't actually had time to ingest it you know, deal with whatever they see from an emotional side, let that kind of simmer for a little bit, think about the issue and say, okay, well, I actually think this is, you know, the the if the loop is a little longer, maybe people would, would have had a little bit more time to process things as opposed to having to immediately just kind of, I mean, if you look at the, that Google engineer um, uh, article uh, issue, for example, if you just bring that up, within like two to three days, the guy put this thing out, it got leaked. It got picked up by all like all major news outlets. The CEO of Google, you know, one of the most powerful people around, he he cuts short family vacation, comes home because he believes that it's such a, because the conversation has spiraled so far out of control by that point. And, you know, this has happened in like 24 to 48 hours. I mean, if the, if the cycle is so short, where it's just so immediate, like, I, I just feel like we're we're always going to be reactionary and reactionary may not always be the right way to go with some of these things that we're talking about, you know.
0: I think it's reactionary now, but I think we're going to start seeing the same notes played over and over. So if there's, 20 more of these that are just slightly different the 10th time we're going to react in a more knowing way because we would have already thought about the issue
1: yeah but why not why why do you have to wait for this to happen 10 times before you know that you know some issue is you know why can't we why can't we just decide to slow down and say okay let's let's think about this Let's kind of process this with cool heads and irrespective in fact the interesting thing I saw, and uh, some of this like a chunk of this plays into what the narrative is that we 're going to talk about today, right, like which is you know there are people all the time who either read a headline or read a very specific summary definitely a summary that um, supports a certain viewpoint coming out of certain media outlets, you know whether left or right, and they will assume they know everything about the Uh, incident at hand. And then they just take that and they run with it. And then they then start either writing opinion pieces, if you're in the media, and you're, uh, you know, or a blogger or something, or you start making YouTube videos, or, you know, you start talking about it on Facebook. And I I feel like this this is another good example, because I talked to a bunch of people about this, uh, where I was like, hey, so what did you think about this? And they were, you know, they just started kind of going on a tangent or, you know, being very vehemently either opposed or whatever about uh, the thing. And then, you know, I immediately was like, okay, did you read what the guy put out? Did you read in a memo or did you read an article about this describing this? And I said, no, we didn't read the main article. So I said, okay, you need to read that before we can have a discussion about this because there's no point because, you know, there's no way it's an unbiased, we're not, we're not uh, talking about the same thing at that point, right? Like if you take a certain piece of news and you look at it in Fox versus CNN, the even if there' it's the core is some facts, you know the opinions are wound so deeply into it that just reading a news article you'd you'd be able to you'd get a different slightly different viewpoint one way or the other. Those foundational pieces may just be incorrect pieces of news or information or or enough so of a different take would have allowed you to come to a different conclusion where that may not play as strongly into your overall overarching narrative,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll ever come to the point where the news cycle is going to slow down. I mean, the technology is only speeding it up. So it's a matter of how we learn to deal with that and that only comes through experience. So that I think that does come with ha- responding to things over and over, over again and realizing, okay, the last time this played out, I ran with one interpretation of the facts. And then I talked to somebody else with a different view and realized that I jumped to the wrong conclusion. So maybe I should talk to that person first, or maybe I should look at this through a different lens. That only comes through experience. I think the technology space looked very different in 2008, 2012, 2016. And 2016 was the first one where people were talking about it every day, online, in an echo chamber. There were bots involved. There were other countries involved. There were the intellectual echo chamber, which was truly global. Which, even though you see a lot of countries now with their nationalist politics, it's interesting how there are overarching global influences that impact all of those individual nationalistic opinions.
1: I, I think that's a that's a really you know well put uh, description of uh, what we're kind of facing. Uh, the only place where I, I would say I maybe slightly disagree is with regards to how we're going to be able to process it or whether that's actually going to work out. And the reason I say that is because I, I, I feel like because of those echo chambers, people inevitably get sucked in. I don't know that a lot of people actually go back and either have the time or the ability, patience you know, general pace in their lives to go back several years, look at decisions and come back and think about things or, you know, have those things stay in their memory that long, mostly because we're moving so much faster now that within the period of time where within like, an uh, let's say, a, a month, a couple months to, you know, six months, a year, so much stuff happens all the time now, seemingly, because the news is a 24-hour news cycle, that you, you, there's so much that's constantly changing that you get lost in the details. Like it happens where, you know, you, you think back on something and you're like, wait, how long ago did this actually start happening? Or when did this actually happen? And you realize it's been several years where, you know, the place has been in famine, war, and like just be, suffering has been going on for so long. And you're just, you just can't process it or it falls off your plate because there's so much other stuff. And so I, I don't know... uh I guess I'm not as optimistic as you are about us learning our lessons, um, and I'm also wary of technology. I'm wary of whether it'll actually make that turn for good, given the amount profits uh, and you know bottom lines playing to things and the, the amount of money at play here. So I don't know, uh, but let's hop on and start talking about our uh, main subject for today.
0: Sounds good. So um diving into the show topic, we're Our topic for today is South Asian Trump supporters and South Asian conservatives. The first kind of what we wanted to address is that, why are South Asians Democrat? What do you think the reason for that is?
1: You know, my parents weren't here. Like, I'm first generation. Um, I moved over here. And so for a long time, a lot of my friends, uh, I initially, when I came in for college, I wasn't obviously very politically inclined. People who did actually have political opinions were people who were born and brought up here, and uh, spe- South Asian friends of mine, specifically, who were born and brought up here. And most of them just tended to be Democrats. Uh, I personally don't know. Maybe you could explain further as to why or how it is uh, that becomes uh, more prevalent once you're here. Uh, I, I do feel like uh, now that there are a lot more naturalized Indian citizens, naturalized South not only Indians, naturalized South Asians here, I wonder if the naturalized South Asians tend to be a little bit more right-leaning than people who were born and brought up here. But all I have is anecdotal evidence from that end. So what's your opinion?
0: Um, I think the conservatives, not just in America, but worldwide are generally more institutionalist, the existing power, power structures that be. And in America, that's traditionally been white moneyed class. Whereas liberals are more questioning the authority that exists. So coming to this country as an immigrant, maybe initially you want to fit in. And so then you'd be more likely to say, yes, well I'm going to defer to the existing power structure. But then the next generation you're saying, well I'm I'm different. I want to be I would like to advance on my own based on like my own abilities, not related to who I am as a person. I don't want to have to hide parts of myself. So I'm going to question the authority and try to build my own like set of values. So that's more of like a liberal viewpoint. So I think that that might be why the first generation is more deferential towards what exists. The second generation is saying what I value and what I grew up as is important, so therefore I'm more liberal in questioning. Okay,
1: so, if, so that the, by that token, it would mean that if a person who was born and brought up here was trying to question authority, then it would depend on which government they grew up under. What if they grew up under uh, Clinton in the 90s? Do you think that they would then be against the Democratic Party because they grew up and they want to go against authority and they want to go up against the Democratic Party? Like does that? Would that really explain it? Uh, I mean, yes, immigrants want to come in and fit in. And I definitely saw after 9/11. I saw a lot of you know. Even I was at college at the time at Purdue, and all the immigrant-owned businesses immediately have you know we're pr- proud of our nation or we're American or an America flag uh, thing. But based on their front in front of their windows, immediately went up almost. And you know, even my relatives who were. Uh, in this country many, many years at that point. You know, kids have grown up up here. They went out and got big American flags and (laughs) put it out on their lawns. And they, you you know, I kind of didn't get some of that uh, entirely. And I was like, why, you know, why are you making such an overt... Why do you have to make the overt show of, like, support? And then I, you know, I started realizing, and after talking to people and getting, understanding what it is, like, you know, people... Could be like, well, you're uh, brown and therefore you don't support, you're not from this country or you don't support this country or you're not one of us. And uh, the racial angle would flow. Personally, the only thing I can peg it against is uh, more just race based stuff. Like, I, I just think they, there's a certain painting of stuff on one side or the other. I, I think it's very possible that, you know, there's a large majority of South Asians tend to be more highly educated. A lot of them tend to go to bigger colleges, private schools, and it could be that the overwhelming majority of people they were welcomed by in those schools just tended to be liberal. And so their friends were liberal, and... They were very supportive of liberal policies, and so, whatever. I, I've met a few people who've grown up here who are pretty run-of-the-mill conservatives, and, uh, I could talk about them some more, uh, some more a little later, but this brings an interesting point, right? Like, because when you talk about South Asians, they're, they're in itself now, we've brought up a distinction, uh, but multiple distinctions, in fact. We've talked about South Asians who are born and brought up here, we've talked about their uh parents who may have settled here in this country many years ago you're we've talked about um new immigrants people maybe who've emigrated to this country in the last 5 to 10 years naturalized citizens who are of all kinds of age groups uh either they're naturalized recently and they're older or younger uh so you know there's and it's, I think it's important to note that a lot of these different categories of people have different reasons for voting, or wanting to vote a certain way, uh, voting a certain way, or tending to vote a certain way, right? So I, I think it's it's a mix of many things. I think it's going to be hard to specifically say. Now, I know that a lot of the polls and a lot of numbers out there skew South Asians predominantly towards the Democratic Party.
0: Yeah, I think it's like four to, four to one, three to one or four to one.
1: Right. I question those numbers. I find myself thinking a lot about uh, polls in general and how accurate they actually are. I mean, obviously, one one part of it was I was really fascinated by Trump's victory. Um, obviously, most people, most polls indicated that Hillary would win. I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. Um, I know a lot of people are, a lot of our listeners maybe. Uh, I I just didn't like her. Now, I will say that I voted for her because I didn't think Trump was very qualified to be president. But at the same time, I have very close friends who were quite convinced by Trump. And they they really thought that Trump was going to win. And, you know, it's it's different because a, a lot of people actually, even if you were a Trump supporter, were like, yeah, I'm supporting Trump, but I know the guy's going to lose, but I'm going to support my guy because, you know, that's what I'm going to do. That's why Brexit happened, right? Like a lot of people either didn't vote or voted thinking, you know, I'm just going to vote, you know, yeah, let's Brexit because I'm just going to be cheeky about it. I don't really believe we should. That's dumb. But like, let's do it anyway, because it's haha funny. <laughs> so if, if anything, I would say this election should be a big reminder to everyone that your vote counts. And like, it, it matters why you vote a certain way and how you vote. Now, not saying that the people who voted for Trump didn't want to vote for Trump. Uh, I'm just saying there were definitely people who I knew, close friends who were Bernie supporters, diehard Bernie supporters, and when the whole deal with the DNC went down, they actually said, they didn't say, I'm not, I'm not going to vote, or I'm not going to write someone in, they said, I'm going to vote for Trump, because the system needs to learn, you know, that they they can't just keep screwing people over like this. Um, and so they were, it was almost like, a you know, anti-system vote. And to them, the system was the DNC and the Democratic machine and the Clinton machine, and they were just, you know, they were like, no, I'm, I'm going to actually go vote Trump and they did. So the three to one number, I could see that. I also think that a lot of people actually said, yeah, you know, I vote for Hillary, but some percentage of those people definitely were not telling the truth <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know, there's nothing else to explain this.
0: I don't think the polls were as often as they were given credit for. Cause I think a lot of the polls had Hillary winning by three. The popular vote and she ended up now the state polls were off but they also didn't have polls that came out after the comey letter um and they were saying that that may have swung things by about two to three points so on net yeah the verdict or the outcome was very off but just looking at the polls going into the day i was confused because it didn't seem like people were as concerned or as motivated and I even saw this going to a canvassing event where I was I was confused because people did not seem as energized as they should have been it was almost more um, going through the process which was very different than what I saw when I canvassed for Obama that people were really excited motivated like we can do this kind of thing looking at the polls and then looking where the excitement level was it it had me concerned and as it turns out I was right to be because that's the way that it did come out. So I was less surprised and more scared about what was going to happen, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be other than the nuclear issue, but everything else is kind of, the way it's played out like the healthcare situation, at least it looks like right now that it ended up not happening. 20, 20 million people were not on like the uh, thrown off the healthcare rolls. So it's it's almost like the system is healing itself. Even though Trump is who he is, it seems like maybe it's uncovering some flaws that were already in. There. So
1: for me, when when the reason I talk about poll numbers uh, and stuff, and I'll come back to the the feeling about like the administration or what's going on as a whole. But going back to the poll numbers and stuff, I think I was reading something recently where they said the error uh, margin of error was. I mean, it was still kind of. She was ahead, like you were saying, she was ahead. She wasn't very comfortably, she wasn't ahead by like double digits or anything. Where, but a lot of polls did indicate that, like, the, I think because of the way they were presented, I don't think it was a the poll themselves, it may have been the analysis of the polls or something that indicated yeah. a large skew towards Clinton, where, where it, it didn't, you know, something like, there's a 60% chance that Clinton win will, win versus, uh, you know, whatever, something like that. And that doesn't really mean any, you know, mean anything. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people saw that and they were like, Oh, you know, well, she's, this is going to be like a blowout. You know, Clinton's going to win because she's going to destroy Trump. There's no way anyone's going to vote for Trump. I'm sure that affected voter turnout. Uh, now coming back to like what the election meant, uh, I think it, it definitely, uh, surfaced a few things, right? Uh, I don't know that I would say it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It could definitely have been much worse, uh, even in this, given the short period of time. Now I'll say that for me, it's felt a lot longer than six months. Like it's felt like this is a, you know, administration that's been going on for so long. I'm like, okay, when's the end? Oh my God, there's still three and a half years left. Cause it's just been constant. Yes. We didn't put 20 million people out of the healthcare system, but there's been a lot of harm done, you know, uh, there's yeah. there's to the people who do not believe that um, statements or things that are said or actions that are made actually cause uh, any harm, especially if they're done in a way where the status quo, uh, like in this case, the healthcare status quo, the status quo of the health healthcare care bill, Obamacare, like that can kind of remained intact. But. You know, if they're thrashing so hard against the system, like it's going to, it's it's just going to, there's this impact, you know, there's this kind of uh little impact tremor that's being felt, right? Sure, there's all these people that get dropped, but a lot of uh, health insurance companies are hopping out of marketplaces across the country, you know, and so they're just like, this is too unstable. These guys are just, we have no real idea what they want to do or don't want to do. Um, and so this, this kind of ambiguity that's being created by a lot of these things, uh, creates a very confusing situation politically for ourselves at home and for anyone, any, anyone else outside, right, internationally. And that's a problem. Now, I'm sure the Trump administration is, or Trump himself is treating this the way he does his businesses, which is, you know, he, he's kind of using this kind of tactic to create distractions and he's, he's trying to like, you know, uh, throw people off the scent and then he, he tries to like create this like muddled mess where out of it, like you don't really know what he's trying to achieve or accomplish, but he gets to go do it in a, in a kind of like sneaky backdoor manner because, you know, everyone's, when everyone's looking left, he's trying to go right, you know, that kind of deal. But you know, it, it, it affects everything. It affects everyone and it affects people involved. I mean, if you're talking about the way you're causing this, this consternation, uh, by putting, by creating these Arbitrary bans on like people entering. It's like I'm just gonna ban everyone and their like parents and their spouses and this. And it's like, okay, why? Not because we just want to do it. And it's like, okay, you, you may have a underlying reason to do this, and it may be uh, one of the things I've heard is this was actually a way for the administration to kind of flex their muscles to the Middle East and say, look, we we have the ability to. Do this. We have the ability to take over your resources that you have in the states, just because you bought stuff here. Don't think that like it's safe. We can come after you if we want. So we're trying to we're trying to double down and flex our muscles and show you what we we're capable of doing. Now it played out in a weird way, and it took so much time, energy, resources. I I just think that a lot of people thought, you know, incorrectly. And when people were saying this, it really like really kind of ticked me off. uh, When a lot of people, when Obama was president were kind of like, oh, you know, we're race is not really an issue anymore. We have a black president. Or people were, you know, talking about how we've come so far. I'm like, no, we haven't come anywhere because obviously, like, things didn't get, like, better for black people. Like, it's gotten worse, if anything. And so after Trump got elected, at least the one thing that we know for sure is, hey, race plays a massive factor in this country. And we really know how a lot of people uh, who basically just didn't say anything or stayed quiet, almost half of this country for a while now, have basically just kind of exploded and said, no, well, you know, we still believe in more or less, you know, Americans, like specifically. And when, I mean, there's no subtle undertone here, right? Like Americans are like white people is is what like people are saying. Now, other people may question why when that's the case, when, you know, when I know and I'm saying this, that why I would say that I leaned right or I, you know, I'm libertarianish, I'm against, not against, but I'm not really keen on the Democratic Party. Uh, I I think there's there's more to it right I think from an ideals perspective I think there's more to say about conservatives and conservative thought um and I'm not saying all conservative thought or every policy obviously uh but you know there's there's a section of race based politics and it's there and then there's regular politics and regular day to day stuff you know and you want to kind of mix everything up I I think that this the, it's been an impact even in the six months. But I think we're going to come out stronger for it. You know, what, what I see is, like, there's definitely people in the center, a lot of young people. uh, uh You know, there are obviously trolls out there who are going to keep doing what they're doing as far as, like, Trump goes and, like, supremacists and stuff. But we we all need to, as a community, understand that, look, we know that this is not what we want for our kids. Like, we don't want our kids to, like, have to deal with this kind of bravado and talk. Like, there's a better, more normal way of doing things. And that's what we want, right? Like this, this out there right now is, is not good. You know, whether the next person, next president is Trump or you know, hopefully it's not Trump, but if it's like a, another Republican or another Democrat or whatever, you want that person to have a certain level of dignity and do certain things a certain way. And especially to people who, who just believe very strongly in Trump and his message. I mean, that's cool. Uh, I'm just saying that you know, there's always a better way to do it. There's more diplomacy involved in, in life and, you know, in the world. And we need to be more calm about things. And the, teaching our kids that this is the way to go is not the right thing.
0: I, yeah, I agree with all that. And I, I think that um, the reason, so just to clarify, the reason that I said it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, not is not because Trump is different, but because I didn't realize how strong we as a people, as Americans could be and I was scared that he was going to do his thing and people were going to defer to him as people often did with Obama just to say like he's the president he's the guy who we put there these are the decisions that he made
1: actually coming back and opposing it and kind of saying no whether whichever side of the spectrum we're on we don't like what you're doing we don't like your policies kind of thing
0: yeah like when Obama pushed out more undocumented than any president prior to that he also continued the drone strikes etc that maybe there were reasons for that maybe there weren't reasons for that but it's almost like we didn't question that as a society Mm. um like i didn't see people outside of fringe elements maybe it wasn't something that you would talk about just over coffee or to a random stranger whereas now politics seems to be coming up more and more often um if trump's poll numbers were at 60 plus percent I would be very concerned but instead they're in that 35 to 40 range which means that we as a society are questioning
1: yeah but I mean how much of society you know like 35 to 40 range you know if it's say 40 percent error has got to be like a few percentage points it seems like there's a lot more support than even should be like at this point you you really should be like okay dude like healthcare thing not a good idea you know like this brash nuclear talk not a good idea like you know I mean, I, I don't understand. Like Russia, not a good idea. Like all these things, like you appointing your kids to random positions <laughs> in office, not a good idea. You know, like you can't. These are all things that you really. I mean, people should be like, I really don't like this. It's instead, like especially among his own supporters, there's he's he's got people who were supporters before, like uh, Republicans or uh, the actual, you know. People who you think his base are, they love what he's doing. And it's, you know, it's mind boggling to me that, like, that's okay. I mean, the
0: healthcare percentage, just to put it in context, was at in that 15 to 20% rate. So, specific policies, he's very low. I think the people that approve of what he's doing, a lot of those people even are saying, I don't like the tweeting, I don't like the constant controversy, I don't like the healthcare proposals. But despite that, I'm going to defer to the president regardless of whatever he he does. Or like he's our guy. He has good branding. My friends like him. I like that kind of thing. I think there's a significant part of that. 35 to 40 percent that is in in that camp and i think that's always going to be there
1: so we we've talked a, a fair bit about what we think of trump's policies to some extent let's kind of dive deeper with the south asian side of things right yep so let's start with issues that may matter the most to south asians
0: yep so i think the, the top issues that we've seen from polling is our economy and jobs which I think is applies not just to South Asians national security and racism. Now I think racism is maybe the only one that's u- unique to people of color but I think we can dive into all three of those because I think South Asians might have a unique perspective on those. Starting with the economy and jobs, there are a, l- a lot of South Asian entrepreneurs whether it be everything from small businesses to say franchise owners,
1: a lot of uh, hotels, motels, like subways, you know, gas stations. There are a lot of South Asian owned small businesses out there.
0: Yeah, sure. and then you have the startup founder or the yep. lawyer, doctor with their own private practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've, I think you've definitely got the range. I think that's true for a lot of immigrant groups. And I think it's especially true for, um, South Asian groups that it really runs the gamut, but there's a, definitely a lot of entrepreneurs within that group.
1: Yeah. So I think from, from that perspective, I will definitely say that, uh, the friends of mine who are business owners, uh, have tended generally to, uh, lean right, um, mostly for tax-based reasons. Uh, uh, you know, a large chunk of it is just better economy, more jobs. I mean, job, there's no there's no doubting that a better economy is better for everyone. But I think from an economy perspective, uh, I think there's there's definitely a difference between how people who are business owners or people whose families own businesses react, uh, as opposed to engineers, doctors, lawyers on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah, I think Republicans have done a good job of Aligning themselves with the mantra of business policy may be a different question, but I think it definitely in terms of branding, Republicans are thought of as better at business than Democrats.
1: To even go further from that, I I think what Republicans have done a great job of is saying, Hey, look, uh, there. If you're if you care about stuff on the financial side, and if you want to be a fiscal conservative, then that's okay. Uh, we'll still welcome you. And we accept you, even though on the social side, we may just not gel. Like, we, you know, we may be far off, but they, I think they've done a good job of separating those two sides. And I wonder also if you're in business or if you're thinking about the financial side of things, you just kind of don't care about the social aspect of stuff as much. Like, it doesn't affect you. Um, as if it doesn't affect you as directly, you just kind of don't care. Like, for example, like, I think with South Asians, I actually don't know the numbers so you, you may or you may have a better idea of uh, whether this is true or not. I, I feel like generally South Asians tend to be more socially conservative, uh, at least like families. Um, South Asian families. I don't know how what percentage of families of South Asian origin have, for example, kids who are uh, either gay, transgendered and how much of them actually accept. Uh, their their kids uh, as they are, or, or, you know, family, other family, not only kids, but other family members. And from what I've heard, at least most families are not as open about uh, LGBTQ rights issues or the community as a whole and they're not accepting of that lifestyle
0: that could be a generational thing also whether it's um new immigrant versus existing immigrant
1: potentially you mean like uh someone who grew up here versus people who Mm -hmm. uh, yeah i mean that's that's true but my point is in general they probably are more aligned than they would like to admit with Republican party but at the same time i think the ability to kind of detach them so i've seen that a lot where you know, even I was spouting that nonsense at a certain point, where I was like, "Well, it's just about taxes and how much money, blah blah blah." And uh, I, I think it's obviously more than that because you cut taxes for people who are who have more money. The idea is that through trickle-down economics, either by the person spending more money or somehow get, opening a business or something, they get give money back in, and people as a whole get money back in. The problem is those people are not spending that money, or they're not spending that money in a way where people actually get that benefit. And so, I, if you take away more of the taxes, or if you start doing tax cuts uh, for people who are wealthy or wealthier uh, than most Americans, then you're not being you're not going to be able to fund uh, society at large. You're not going to be able to help fund the social services that you need to take care of you know your population as a whole. Uh, and I think it, it definitely plays into it. But they've done like a fantastic job of you know just kind of detaching that, saying, hey, you know, don't worry, you know, we'll just put more money back in your pocket. And most people are like, yeah. okay. You know, if that's the case, sure. And then, as far as like terrorism, national security—I I mean, the, the national security racism thing—I think is a is a more interesting kind of conundrum.
0: Yeah, because there's definitely a complex situation where if we're talking about Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, and the cons- like conservative elements of each of those, how do they view things? And then liberals, maybe it doesn't matter as much from an identity perspective but definitely from uh like if you have a conservative hindu in the indian context you've definitely got hindu parties that use muslims as scapegoats similar to the way the american right uses muslims and hispanics as scapegoats um so there's a commonality there that may seem strange to an outsider who sees um to say a a white american who may see Sikhs. And Muslims is one group, and then even all brown people is just the same. Aziz Ansari had a funny joke. He said, the racists will go up to Mexicans, and they'll say, go back to Mexico. And they'll come up to him and say, go back to where you came from. <laughs> <laughs> he, then he says, racists are not great with geography. It means they're, they're they're also not great with distinguishing between different groups. Not to say that, like, we should all come together and... and and support one another but just to say that they can do right that is trying to be islamophobic it's not even sensible in the american
1: so i mean is it sensible in any other context
0: well i think there's a rationale for it i don't think it's sensible because i like i said i think we should support one another and we should come to um collective solutions from what they're saying is like they're the bad people we're the good people that's that's their argument. Whereas it doesn't resonate with anybody nobody even understands what they're talking about here it's it's in the broader context
1: my general thought on that is from a religious context there are definitely people who have a certain thought process or a certain bend one way or the other as far as at least american politics go and a lot of it probably is supported by politics back home the parties that they supported or what they came up from etc as far as race itself goes i think both parties historically have done you know bad things uh, towards the races. To a large extent, the Democratic Party has really kind of cornered the minority vote. They've historically kind of championed minority rights, uh, at least on the surface. I don't know if you've watched the documentary 13th, and I would encourage people to go watch that movie if you haven't to to get, get a better understanding. I thought the movie was done really well. as a documentary. But, you know, like there was a point in the election, I forget where, was it a black church or where it was or at one of his rallies where Trump was like, you know, a minority or if you're African-American, you might as well vote for me because, you know, things haven't really been good for you. You might as well, you know, what's wh- how much worse can it get for you kind of thing? That's what he said. Now, ignoring the fact just for the next few seconds that it was an extremely audacious comment and a way to say that and make that point, I, I think one could definitely argue and think about it uh, and say, well... You know, yeah. See, so you you look at the track record and look at what's happening. It's not getting any better. You know, more and more killings, more and more issues. with The system in place, and a lot of people obviously will point to Trump's election and look at all these alt right movement and look at like races coming out and look at him not saying anything to white uh, these white supremacist groups and Bannon and, and Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions. You know, so there there's some really demented people uh, in the administration. I'll give you I'll give you that. But uh, coming back to just race in general, and and then talking about uh, this. this this line of uh, thinking, I I think it doesn't matter uh, because I've had uh, several incidents myself. Like I've experienced several incidents at, on campus at Purdue University, and you know Purdue is you know, predominantly white uh, in the middle of Indiana. Well, not really middle of Indiana, but you know there there are definitely people out there who hadn't probably ever seen people of color before they came to college and saw these people. And so I've had stuff thrown at me and like go back to your country and stuff. And then I, when I went to San Diego to go look for uh, apartments to, for my job there that I got, I, in La Jolla, uh, when I was walking down the street, I've had someone roll down their window and say, go back to your country there where La Jolla, California is not really a conservative hotbed of anything. Right. Um, I've, I've had lots and lots of random screenings over the years. I've had, um, you know, I've dealt with you know, racist attitudes. So to me, if you tell me that voting for one president or the other is going to change the fact that I deal with less racism on a day to day basis, I don't really buy that because the racist people are there. Maybe they hold, maybe they pass an extra comment that they don't. But at this point, you know, how much does it, to me personally, I'm like, if you're, everyone's still going to tell me to go back to my country, I'm not going anywhere. And if I'm going to deal with this, no, whoever, no matter who's president, like,
0: how does it matter? Well, I mean, I think it it matters for the reason that you cited. Now, in the 90s were a different time, but Bill Clinton was the president and he like those laws were supported by many leaders in the African American community, but he did he was the president. He he deserves ultimate responsibility for those things like mandatory minimum Senate, sentencing that in the 2017 context Jeff Sessions wants to bring back the war on drugs, bring back that type of stuff, and lose another generation. Right? So that if you if you argue that had an impact in the nineties and he wants to do go beyond that, I mean you you have to look at it. Democrats don't want to have learned from that experience. Jeff Sessions thinks that we should put more black men in jail. So there's a difference in the twenty seventeen context that we can learn from the nineteen nineties experience. And then the other part is the voter suppression, which yeah, it's one thing if somebody's yelling at you on the street. It's another thing if they're trying to take away your right to vote.
1: What we have to, you know, remember is the question is more about how or why there's support for uh, Trump from a South Asian context during the elections. I think that's a different question than how or why there's South Asian support for Trump now. I think everything you said again is true. Uh, I am not a fan of Jeff Sessions at all. I is one of many reasons why I think you know this administration's awful, and yeah, you're right. He's trying to bring it back now. At the same time, though, he did write that memo out to the Baltimore Police Department when they were trying to change their policing practices, and he was like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. You're good. You're good. And in fact, the city of Baltimore and uh, the police, uh, I believe the police commissioner there was like, no, we're we're going to do what Baltimore needs to do and we what we think is the right thing to do. So, yeah, thanks but no thanks kind of thing. When Chris Kobach tried to be like, oh, just uh, give me all your voter records, guys. Then, you know, all of these uh, states came back and was like, yeah, tough. And it wasn't that just states that had Democratic governments. There were a lot of states uh, that were Republican states that were like, yeah, tough, no chance. And so people are very wary of what these guys are doing. And uh, if you want to bring the difference between the 90s context and 2017 context, Jeff Sessions is going to want to do all this stuff. But there's a lot of people watching everything now. In the 90s, you didn't have this kind of information outlets. You didn't have, le- you know, this level of like scrutiny that you had back then. And you didn't have the access to this level of technology and data. And so it, it if they're making a move of any kind, everyone is fully aware of what's going on, right? And so they, they can, they, they can try to suppress votes. They can try to do all these things, but it's, it is going to be painfully obvious, right? And so, I, my hope is that, irrespective of whether you're on the left or the right, you know, if if you have a uh, vested interest in the future of the country, you're going to come together and say, I, you know, I don't care how someone votes. I want them to vote because I want to know that like we we're doing this the fair way, doing it the right way. You know, it's like you're trying to cheat and win. There's no, you know, there's no. What, what do you, you know, there's no like moral standing there if you believe that you have some kind of you know if you believe you're conservative and you have like a moral stance on certain things and you're religious and whatever then you should believe in that you should believe that there's a there's a strong moral case to be made as to not disenfranchise people. Um, and so I think again my hope is that people do band together and come together and say, those differences aside, like we we may disagree on everything politically, but it doesn't take away the fact that we're all kind of in this together. I just want to like kind of go back real quick to the religious uh, differences. As far as religion goes, there's obviously a very, very complex weaving of partnerships here that are based on religion in a weird way. Historically, India has, you know, shared a border or uh, had a created border with Pakistan, uh, when the British decided to break up India with Pakistan and Bangladesh. Uh, and, you know, irrespective, I'm not, uh, I don't want to put out the, there's nothing to do with the countries, the, the you know, country of Pakistan versus the country of India versus Bangladesh or anything, or Kashmir. You know, the facts remain that, you know, England basically raped and pillaged all their colonies, and then they split them across the randomest lines that they could think of, or they were like, oh, you know, there's a bunch of these people here, and there's a bunch of these people here. Let's just split them up here. Sure, I, I think Gandhi supported uh, the creation of Pakistan with Jinnah. Irrespective, uh, uh, with all these borders that we have, they, there's there's been now this historical uh, backstory with India being at war or being against Pakistan, Pakistan having their weapons pointed at India, India having their weapons pointed at Pakistan, Kashmir being a key issue, uh, terrorism in India itself uh by uh, what has been purported to be, uh, you know, the uh, ISI in Pakistan, uh, coming after, uh, like with the backing some of the uh, Bombay attacks and things like that. So there's a lot of bad blood. Uh, there's still, uh, you know, people who who've been through partition, the last, I think, set are uh, slowly fading at this point. You know, those memories are still, they're not that old. They're like 50, 60, 70 years old. And so when you have those kinds of, you know, I am against Pakistan, so I'm against, you know, you could just say I'm against Muslims, therefore I'm going to be against, I'm going to be for anyone who is against Muslim or Islamic terrorism. Um, As far as Hindus uh, and far-right Hindus go, yeah, Hindu nationalists uh, are... Pretty uh, vocal now um, since Modi's gotten elected, and I, I obviously think their religious uh, preferences play into it. Probably conservative elements of any of these religions, you could make an, you could make the case that they do not really align with the American version of democracy. You you could definitely find conservative. Hindus who, who may not agree with idea of a Christian state or uh, some of the values of like either free speech or like uh, general liberal or uh, more liberal social society a lot of suppression of women's rights still happen on the right but it's the same with uh, conservative Islam you know and when you have democrats saying they support Muslims and they they are against Islamophobia completely agree you should be against Islamophobia but you should not be for people who are against your values so, you know, you, you can't be like, I, I'm against Islamophobia, so I'm not going to call out the person who's against women's rights. You know, you, you can't, you you know, so but but you, you kind of have to like you, you're in this weird, you know, so it, it gets very murky because then who are you supporting based on what? But, you know, there's there's a lot of elements going into this. So within the South Asian community to group us in one set and coming back to what I was initially talking about with polls it becomes hard to kind of segment out, depending on the questions you ask, a certain person could fall in any of these categories at any given point. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's, it's a lot more indirect uh, than people think. People like to club South Asians as a group. And you,
0: you know, a lot of times we're just grouped in with Asian Americans. So then it becomes a whole different level of absurdity there.
1: Yes, you're right. If they, if they say, okay, are you, do you count yourself as, Black, white, Hispanic, Pacific Islander or Asian, then irrespective of whether you're Thai, Cambodian, Chinese, Vietnamese, Indian, Bangladeshi, Pakistan, you're all in that same category. But even there, there's differences because there's beef right now between India and China. And then, you know, China is trying to uh, strengthen their ties to Pakistan and Sri Lanka and kind of surround India. And so there's like all this crazy geopolitical stuff going on there, too so i think it's just not very straightforward uh and and i think taking religion uh into account especially like makes this even more muddled uh and i i just don't i, I don't know if it's as clear cut that you're a conservative element of you're a conservative hindu and therefore you will vote republican or you're a conservative muslim and therefore you will vote democrat i don't know so i, I think it just kind of matters uh person, in a, from a person to person basis but He's talking about nationalism a little bit more. What, what is your thought on how nationalism may be a factor?
0: It's something that I would like to talk about and think about more, but beyond just knowing that there are Islamophobic elements in both the Indian context and in the American context, and that in the American context kind of fall, falls apart because of the majority group is obviously not Hindu. And to, to take it one step back, I think nationalism is having an impact in countries all over the world, largely because other groups are realizing that there's more complexity. So not voting as a unit, there's more complexity in being an Asian American or a South Asian American than just belonging to the group. And we're never going to vote as a unit because there are so many complexities. So then the largest group that does vote as a unit is that conservative white America, for example, or that conservative Hindu India, to take another example. And I think that goes for a lot of countries that the group that's most unified right now is that conservative quote unquote traditional element within different countries.
1: I think that's a, that's a fair estimation. Again, it could just be a matter of, you know, we are we are reaching a certain point with the multicultural experience, right? Like we're okay with uh, living with people that are different from you. But, you know, it's obviously not the case in East Asia. A lot of those countries are not as welcoming of people of different races or the interaction there is far more kind of complicated than it is in the U.S. The U.S. actually tries to make an attempt to include everyone to some extent and become this giant melting pot and, you know allow people to bring their cultures in and kind of meld it in with uh, American culture where I don't think a lot of other countries encourage that as much uh, out out east maybe. Uh, not to say that India does like a fantastic job of it or anything either. So, you know, we're still dealing with all those issues uh, in a majority of the world. I kind of feel like that's what you're right. Like there's that nationalism is coming up because people are like, well, they they have to find a scapegoat. Uh, and I think a lot of a uh, lot of people are tapping in there because they don't really know what to do to make the make economy better. Um, we've reached a point where we've outsourced all the things we can outsource. We've tried to like drive down prices for consumers as much as possible, mass produce stuff as much as people want to believe that the Trans-Pacific Partnership and globalization is the best thing ever. You you have to like reassess that a little bit more to give you an anecdote maybe you know in India during Diwali they have all these uh, dolls that they make uh, local artisans and people uh, and they make these little lamps the diyas and a lot of people, local shop owners have had to shut up, shut shop because they cannot compete on prices with, you know, imported cheap plastic lights that, you know, that just turn on with like this little battery. And it's cheaper than clay, uh, diaz or like lighting lamps. And so people just prefer that. And so, you know, everything is driving prices down. So it is displacing a lot of economy from these, these local, maybe, Less efficient economies that were more niche for the local markets—they're just being displaced because it's so easy to go global now and you know get better manufacturing in other places and bring it in. So the only way you can you can then try to rationalize this if you're a new government coming in or if you're a government of you know the right quote-unquote standing—the Republican Party here, you know, the BJP in India, uh, just to take examples—you know, they're just going to be like, look it's them. It's not us. You know, we are doing the right thing. And we were always doing the right thing when all these other people, these other external entities are the ones taking our jobs. They're the ones like creating all this wreaking all this havoc and doing all this stuff. And they've had to say, like, toe that line because it's like you, you, if you don't know the answer, you have to find some random, you know, some way to like rationalize this. So I think that's what it is. I think that's why like we have this, this crazy nationalism that's going on and that's not only here right it's not only india or here it's the same but it's always been the case of pakistan it's always been the case and like anywhere in south asian subcontinent and europe itself you know there are a lot of like far right parties that are gaining ground well i think uh, the
0: the um, fact that brexit happened and trump happened in 2016 actually scared a lot of europeans into realizing that their vote mattered like for example Macron beat Le Pen by two to one whereas people were because people were frightened that she might pull it off that even though the polls said that he was going to win maybe the polls would not be right so let's make sure that we go out and vote and we might not love him but make sure that she doesn't win kind of similar philosophy to what people were talking about in America last year but with the reality that This actually did happen in America. Some people in France were factoring that into their decision about whether they cared enough to vote or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that we were the lessons to be learned people, uh, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Well, we set an example for the rest of the world, I think, with Obama in terms of um, inspiration. And we set an example for the rest of the world again in 2016 so america's always a little ahead of the curve
1: yeah it's just it's just funny uh, overall should we talk about um Shalup kumar let's talk about kumar who is Shalop kumar
0: he is a rich man uh, kind of rich <laughs> South Asian, um, with a nice looking beard and uh, do, do, you, do you remember how he made his money
1: he's got an uh, electronics firm i believe in illinois
0: okay so he used to be a democrat um until 1979 The politicians were inviting him to, or actually he was at an Illinois Manufacturers Association, and Ronald Reagan came there, talked him up. He said, look, do you like paying all these taxes? You don't, so you should be a Republican. So it was the business aspect that we were talking about earlier that um, Kumar then became a prominent Republican in terms of um, becoming a big Republican donor and was courted by many over the years, including Newt Gingrich, who then steered him into Trump's camp. And Trump may like the color white in terms of white people, but there's a color that he likes more than white, which is green. (laughs) And Shalab Kumar provided that to Trump in terms of, um, I think he gave a double mat. I think the maximum you can donate is 400k. And he um, donated that for him and his wife.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think those are the numbers. I think it was close to a million dollars or something um, right. is what he raised so, for Trump.
0: Yep. So that was him himself. And then he also had a big event in New Jersey where Hillary Clinton was drawn up as the devil and um, Donald Trump was drawn up. Was that up
1: the uh, Hindus Hindus for Trump event? Him,
0: yeah, Hindus for Trump. And he was drawn up as a deity um, and he came on stage and he did the, um, ceremony. Um, and they recorded an ad with him saying,
1: Abkibar, Trump Sarkar, right. uh, which means this time Trump is going to win or Trump is going to lead or Trump is going to be the leader. And it's, it's basically a riff off of, uh, what Modi, uh, Modi's, uh, slogan was, I believe, Abkibar, Modi Sarkar. So this is, a, uh, or Modi Sarkar so this is I think just a parallel yep so I uh they, they but it was, it was a funny story behind it too because I believe it took him like 15 takes to say Abki Bar Trump Sarkar he just couldn't get the pronunciation uh-huh. right a lot of people are very convinced about the fact that Trump is a straight race biter and he's a he's racist I don't know how much he's a like a white supremacist I support only white people racist versus he's just an opportunist and he just Really, at the end of the day, like he doesn't really care. Like he's it's just financial for him. Like he he purely doesn't just does not care about people's race. As long as like money's involved, he's like I'm good. Um, it would it would go in line with what he's kind of shown, which is like he goes to Saudi, you know, he's like talk all the stuff about like the Middle East, Muslims, Islam. He goes to Saudi and he's like, hey, what up, guys? Let's hold this orb of light. And, uh, you know, like, he's, he's, he's down with whoever is, like, willing to give him some money, uh, honestly, I think.
0: Yeah, the, the Breitbart, um, article is, is interesting because it talks the about- The one
1: about, uh, Shalab Kumar? Uh,
0: yeah, actually, this is, um, yeah, they they talk about Kumar and they, they talk about how, um, the Hindu right helped Trump.
1: Yeah, I saw that, but I, th- I think in typical Breitbart manner, uh, fashion, it, it was just, uh, very, skewed, uh, like, even saying the Hindu, right? Like, I, you know, I, the, a lot of this uh, narrative is like surprising because they specifically talk about Hindus and Hindu South Asians and so there's almost this weird kind of connotation between South Asians being Hindu and that's it. Like, or, you know, it's been South Asian Hindus or conservatives, conservative Hindus, uh, ties back to Hindu nationalism. What happened to, you know, conservative South Asian Christians? Muslims you know other religions yep. other people like you know i I've known uh, you know many um, uh, very conservative South Asians uh growing up or even you know who've settled here who emigrated or who's who are very conservative uh, Christian and you know some of them are obviously pretty uh pretty uh, heavily Republican dominant. Now I will say that like, I've noticed also that there are South Asians who are religiously conservative or brought up religiously conservative in this country uh, of whatever religion, but who also then turn around and they're religiously conservative, but they, they are very staunch Democrats. Um, so it's a very interesting paradigm. Oh. Um, but like specifically about this event and about uh, Shalab Kumar, uh yeah that that article we'll, we'll we'll tag all the articles that we're talking about uh in the uh, post that we have on Somosacaucus.com uh when we put this episode out uh but yeah i like i think uh it's uh now kumar i i think he himself is has bent was more like you know the Hindus for Trump like he was trying to drum up support from the Hindu base, and his angle was if you supported Modi and there is a lot of uh, in this country Modi is uh, especially for the South Asian diaspora Modi is a huge he 's got a huge fan base here. Uh, when Modi came and talked, even when Obama was still president, when Modi got elected and came over, he, I think he sold out MSG in uh, New York, and then he had a huge event in New Jersey, and so he, like, it was like a rock star, you know, event where like tens of thousands came to see him, and when he was elected, Times Square, there were all these people waiting in Times Square and who were all like celebrating the Modi win. So, so Kumar basically drew a lot of perils to Trump and uh, Modi, and he said, you know what Modi's good at? He's good at, you know, bringing, making the country strong and bringing up like, you know, the profile of India in the world. And that's what Trump's trying to do. You know, Modi's trying to bring jobs. That's what Trump's trying to do. Modi is like, I won't say against Islam, but like, you know, it's BJP, he's like, Party, like, Hindu, you know, there. He's like down with Hindus. You you know you know Trump is against uh, the Muslim world and he's against Islam so you know you should vote for him and so yeah, I think
0: Trump even said I love the Hindu
1: yes yeah. yeah the you know I don't think he knew even knew what the Hindu was uh, I don't know if he was talking about the newspaper he <laughs> was talking but but uh, yeah you know so I. Yeah, Shalab Kumar played it pretty smart. And he was like, so he was like, I'm just going to straight tap into that thing. And so that's why he had Trump do the upkey bar, Trump Sarkar. And when they kept putting that out and did all that, they definitely won hearts and minds. Uh, and so, you know, it's important to remember that irrespective of whether it's a, it's, it's, it's a naturalized citizen, it's, it's someone who's, who's just moved here, born, brought up here, whatever. They have a vote, and uh, I think the Democrats, like they did with the African-American vote, I think they also kind of took the South Asian vote for granted. Now, polls do indicate that a large number of South Asians voted uh, Democrat, uh, even in this past election. Anecdotally, it seems like it's a lot more uh, that voted for Trump. You know, I'm out in Silicon Valley uh, right now, and... I hear a lot of, not only South Asians, Asians in general, also like voted for Trump. And so I kind of wonder about some of these polls. Like that's, that's again why I'm trying to like, you know, how much like, who's talking about like, does this really go down this way? Or did people just come out and say, oh yeah, of course I voted Hillary and you know, did whatever. That's why like, I have some confusion as well. Anyway, coming back to Mr. Kumar, I think he made a few statements where he definitely said that, oh yeah, Trump's going to bring more H-1B visas. So he's going to help bring more Indians over because he loves Indians and he's going to open the gates for us and uh, you know your families are going to be able to come here, kind of thing is what he was kind of alluding to, uh, which funny enough you know the Trump is like uh, yeah about those H-1B visas. <laughs> yeah,
0: he did a similar thing with the LGBT community. He said I love the um, I love the LGBT. Nobody will be as good on LGBT as I am. I mean he loves telling people what they want to hear, but as obviously as a president you have to pass policies that actually do stuff and if your main constituent is the christian right then you're not going to care so much about these others
1: well i mean if you if trump said i love the hindu and you're like see obviously he loves the hindu we should vote (laughs) for trump you know i would i would seriously question your like thought process there because like (laughs) based on what like what has he what has he really done or indicate how has he shown that he loves the hindu right like any anyone who's like but but he said it's like, dude, he said many things, you know, like Obama said many things. Clinton said many things like, you know, they all say many things. Their their, their goal is to win. You, know, you have to understand what the goal is. And Trump was phenomenal at like the goal. He was, he was like, if by my saying a certain thing, you will vote for me, I will say that thing. I don't really no. care. Like, I, 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 in fact, I'm going to be blatantly contradictory about my own point, points of view but it's fine because I just want to win. Like, I don't really care about anything else.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I guess people just bought into it. Yeah,
0: it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, We've talked a lot about why South Asians are prominently Democrat, but why they may have conservative views on some issues. Let's also talk about his pick. South Asians are perhaps the most Predominant minority group within Trump's White House, which is an interesting development, maybe unexpected development. Yeah. Do
1: you happen to have numbers offhand for the uh, number of South Asians versus
0: other minorities? Not versus other minorities on hand, but I have. I know that he's nominated seven. The most prominent, which are probably Ajit Pai, who's the chairman of the FCC. And Seema Verma, who's the administrator for the senators for Medicare and Medicaid services, and Nikki Haley, obviously, who's representing America at the UN. So those are the three that are the most prominent. I uh, just by and Seema Verma, especially, are very conservative in their viewpoint. Seema Verma came from Indiana, working with Mike Pence on their. Medicaid implementation. Ajith Bai used to be a sort of a a lobbyist for Verizon. And Nikki Haley was the governor of South Carolina. And I'm sure we'll talk about all three of those individually in future podcasts, but to remain within the larger context for why these South Asian selections may have been made. Do you have any thoughts on that, Ry?
1: Since we're discussing potential theories, one theory could be that it's Shalab Kumar, you know, being out there and lobbying for this and being that Trump now likes the Hindu a lot, uh, that he decides, here's the fruits of your labor, Shalab, here's a few Indians that I've picked. Now, that's obviously, let's say, I kind of joke when I say that. As far as the other appointees, I think they may have just come up the ranks. And I think it is good PR for the Republican Party to have a minority face attached to at least some parts of its policy or administration. I think they they saw uh, Indians as being a good model minority to pick. And uh, if anyone was like, you don't have minorities in your government, they could just be like, oh look, look at all these brown people, even though there's only three of them. Uh, it is kind of interesting to see uh, these uh, picks. Uh, Nikki Haley has kind of been in the fold for a while. People like her, Bobby Jindal, they were definitely derided in the last uh, election cycle uh the one before this one you know a lot of people looked at them and especially when uh Bobby did the state of the union response oh, to Obama yeah. he was uh, i think the first time they ran he he had a shot in the in 2008 2007 uh six, 7 time frame possibly and then after Obama got elected maybe after his first state of the union or something uh Bobby Jindal came out and gave a rebuttal and i just remember like what, the video where he came out and he's like Doo, do 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 hi my name is Bobby Jindal. And then, and then, you know, that was just so bad. so poorly received. And I think that single-handedly just was like, boom, dude, you're done. Like, there's no chance.
0: A lot of people that you would think were done have com- made comebacks, though. So I'm a little surprised that ha- we haven't heard his name at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if Trump decided to pick Bobby Jindal and put him in somewhere in the government, that's one thing. I just don't think, like, he's ever going to get elected into, like, the White House or anything. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Now, Nikki Haley, on the other hand... I could definitely see her on a ticket, you know, the next go around.
0: One interesting development also that I saw in one of the pieces was um, Ro Khanna from San Francisco. He had some quotes about Ajith Pai. He said he's opposed to what most Indian American entrepreneurs and technology leaders believe. He's certainly not representing their views about Nikki Haley. He said, I think Nikki Haley's view of a more aggressive, hawkish foreign policy is not in line with... Indian Americans' traditional emphasis on diplomacy. Obviously, Rokan is a progressive, so take that for what you will. But that was his take on, on those two leaders. So one other quote from Sangay Mishra, who's the author of Desi's Divided. He said, In the Republican Party, if you're a minority and you're serious about succeeding, there are chances you'll get an opportunity. Even though Indian Americans are en masse uh, voting for the Democratic Party, given the professional, economic, and educational profile of the community, there there, there are a significant number of professionals and technocrats who have made their way through the bureaucracy and party apparatus to get important positions. So maybe some of the business factors that we were talking about earlier may have led some to the Republican Party and within the ranks there. Because the Medicaid and the net neutrality issues, there's definitely a conservative liberal divide that don't necessarily break down on racial lines, but more on maybe class slash position in society kind of line. I did see an article related to Seema Verma. I think her husband has a medical practice and he doesn't accept Medicaid.
1: Ha! It's a little bit more than a little ironic. Yeah.
0: Yep. 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 So I think we talked about kind of the role South Asians played on the right during the course of the election and and where they are now within the administration. Maybe we'll have a f- follow up of South Asians on the left in a future episode. That kind of high level view might be a of a future episode.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, we've outlined so many complexities with this and. Uh... Hopefully as we go through the podcast and take a critical look uh, with most of the things that are going on out there right now and the South Asians in prominence across, you know, political circles, we should look at what they're saying, what their body of work is, and we'll we'll definitely try to do our best to kind of dig in further and deeper into uh, all of these murky, weird, outlying little uh, spots and uh see see what we can unearth yep all right guys
0: thanks for listening
1: talk to you guys soon see ya